and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. So be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she, they pronouns, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. My name is Claire, and my pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Claire Crees. And today we're talking about the finale of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, what a time to be alive. We didn't have an episode last week, so um, we might be talking a little bit about the one before, but the finale in of itself was just so much. Um, so yeah, excited to get into that. So so I do remember that um, Obi-Wan is like, well, Vader wants me. And so if you guys, you know, go away and I go the other way, you guys will be safe and he'll just come after me. And everyone's like, no, we're staying together. And at first I thought that was really weird because I was like, if I was on a ship and there was one person like that, the Star Destroyer was after, I'd be like, okay, leave. There are children here, like get out. And then I remember that these people are a part of the path network. Like they, their entire lives are devoted to saving Jedi. And here is Obi-Wan Kenobi. He is the Jedi. So um, yeah, of course they'd want to keep him safe. Um, and then he had that line that I thought was amazing where he was like, you've spent the last 10 years fighting for the Jedi. Let me fight for you or whatever he said. Um, that felt like such a Jedi moment. You know, in a way that the prequels never did, uh, we never really got to see, you know, the Jedi being, you know, protectors of the galaxy, protectors of the peace in a way that they were supposed to be portrayed. Um, and, you know, after reading the High Republic, you could really just be like, wow, that is exactly what the Jedi are supposed to be. They're, you know, selfless people. Um, did Obi-Wan probably want to fight Vader? Yeah, maybe a little bit, maybe a bit, but still, the, the, it's the thought that counts. Um, and so then he had that little conversation with Leia. <laughs> so can I just say, Leia in this show it has been such a gift. She is everything. She's the moment. And I love her. Yeah, I really like that line you're talking about of the, like, you've spent the last 10 years protecting the Jedi. Um, because it's also like, if you take it back even further, like the, like you're saying the Jedi's job is to like protect the people of the galaxy and like help maintain the peace. And like, that is what they've been doing for like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the clone wars. And then it all kind of like fell apart towards the end. And then obviously most of them got killed off, but for like people like the people of the path who obviously still have faith in the Jedi, even after everything that's happened, they are probably in the same boat of like, the Jedi have been protecting us, like, the average citizens of the galaxy this whole time, and now that, like, the Jedi are in no position to protect themselves, we kind of have to step up and, like, repay them for that, but from Obi-Wan's perspective, it's, like, they have been protecting me and my people, so now I need to, like, turn it back around and do something for them, because, like, not only is it just the right thing to do to, like, help people who help you, but, like, as a Jedi, his biggest responsibility is to protect people and specifically people who like can't protect themselves yeah absolutely um 
and then you know he goes to uh, fight Vader. That's pretty much what happens. And exact exactly what he was thinking, like, oh, if I like leave, then um, these people will escape. Not to be like, what the heck, Star Wars? That doesn't make sense. But Vader's ship has so many star destroyers on it. Like, I think I forgot who it said. I who said it. I think it was Brooke. Um, at Bedazzler was like, "Girl, I promise you're okay. Like, I can promise you can do both." And I was like, "No, he literally took like his shuttle exactly. to fight Obi Wan." And I'm like, "There's a whole star destroyer with like every other Imperial on it." Like, they didn't have to use <laughs> like in the Grand Inquisitor too. Stayed on the on the Star Destroyer, and he really wanted to go after those those path people. Um, you know what, though? It's Star Wars. It's camp. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, luckily, I'm glad they survived. Leia was on that ship. <laughs> Anyways, I do, um, we get this scene um, between Vader and Obi-Wan before they start fighting. Uh, and don't remember what they said. Do you remember what they said? Because I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, I know that Obi-Wan says the, like, I will do what I must. And oh, then Vader yes. says, then you will die. Which I was like, wow, that's so interesting how they took a line from their duel on Mustafar, but then also a line from, like, when Anakin, or when, well, yeah, Anakin slash Vader fights Ahsoka on uh, Malachor. Um and I just thought that was interesting, especially because, like, as that fight goes on, obviously with the, like, cutting open the helmet and that kind of thing, it, like, parallels that fight with Ahsoka. And, like, that sort of trio of them, like, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka were the two closest people to Anakin, aside from, like, Padme, obviously. Um, and they both had, like, they were, like, like as the two Jedi that he worked with the most and the two people that would have been, like, in a position to fight him after he becomes Vader to have those fights be like somewhat similar I think was a good choice and it's also just like as a Rebels fan I was like hey this is just like in Rebels that's crazy yeah we'll get to it but like literally the mask got cut open I'm sobbing screaming and crying it was literally so I was like oh my god it's just like it's just like Rebels and my Rebels heart just like bursted um anyways while this is happening we're also getting um, some scenes of Miss Reva. She has just been stabbed through the gut by a lightsaber uh, by Darth Vader. One, how literally awesome is it to watch a show um, in, in the Star Wars franchise where women are not treated very well um, and have her go up against Vader and survive? Are you kidding me? I'm watching that. That was last episode, but I was like, this is everything. Like, this is what I'm here for, Deborah Child. Like, I literally love you to death. Um, I just think that was really awesome. And that was a moment where I was like, yes, she just got stabbed. Ouch. And I, lo- I love her, so I don't want her to be hurt. But also, she just went up against Darth Vader, who we literally just saw take down a ship without breaking a sweat. Like, okay um was literally obsessed with that now in this episode um she is she has found the message from bail about Tatooine and some boys she she's smart so she's putting two and two together uh and she goes she goes uh to Tatooine um and is looking for Owen and Luke 
can we just take a second? Baru White on Mars in this episode. Talk about a literal girl boss. Are you kidding? There were so many like girl boss moments in this episode that I was like, this is why Star Wars should always be made by women. I just I I'm not even gonna lie. Like this episode would not have worked had it been directed by a man. Um and maybe I'm just in a bit of a silly goofy mood because of the state of the world right now. And uh, but I was talking to Camilla the other day and she was like, Deborah Chow could have directed um the Mandalorian, but John Favreau could never ever direct the Kenobi series. And she was absolutely right. She was absolutely right. John Favreau, get away from all of the women anyways that was so besides the point um but yeah seeing seeing um Owen and Baru like fight so hard against Reva for Luke's life showing that they like really truly loved him um was also just there's so many layers to it because I was also like this is not only like Padme and Anakin's son right that they're protecting it's also Shmi's grandson and Owen and Baru um knew Shmi they lived with her they were impacted by her and if if you've read Queen's Hope you know how much they were impacted by her her light and her love um and so Luke is not just like a a nephew to them it they are he's more like of a son and I you could really feel that in this episode versus like a new hope <laughs> so. yeah I think also like like you talk about how they view Luke and like how close they were to Shmi um a big thing in this show that I love that they leaned into is the like idea of like I mean found family is that's like the Star Wars thing but specifically that like family doesn't necessarily have to just mean blood and like we see it and I like that we see it with both of the Skywalker twins, whereas, like, Leia, we had that scene with Bale where he's like, you are an Organa. Um, and then we had this part with Owen. I think it's Reva who says to him, like, you protect him like he's your own. And he says he is my own. Um, amazing moment, by the way. Can we talk about? Yeah, first of all, girl boss Baru. So true of her. When Owen was like, we need to run. And she was like, I have a gun. And he was like, yeah. okay, Slay, okay, Slay. <laughs> um, but also, can we talk about Owen literally, like, fought Reva? Yeah. To, to protect Luke? So true of him. Okay. <laughs> I have no words. It was such a moment. Um, and also, just little Luke. He's so cute. I love him. Um, beside the point. Yeah, I loved all those moments between, like, Owen and Baru and Reva and like them protecting Luke um and yeah I like sort of that we were going back and forth between like all of that action sequence and also like the Darth Vader Obi-Wan fight I forgot where I was going with this anyway my point is I love Owen and Baru Baru's a girl boss Luke is a little guy um and Reva is also a girl boss so true um, to add on to what you're saying, I think that the reason I feel like it worked really well is we're kind of skipping towards the end, but um, the entire fight between Obi-Wan and Vader is Obi-Wan is um, still blaming himself for 
the person that he is fighting. He he thinks he is the reason that Anakin has become this monster, um, this Sith Lord. And that's not necessarily true. And I think that, you know, through the entire fight, Obi-Wan is regaining his power and regaining his um, Jedi-ness in general. He's like his mentality and everything, his hope. And then, you know, we get to the end of the fight where Anakin is saying, you think you are responsible for Vader? No, like I killed Anakin Skywalker. And that's what Obi-Wan needed in order to um, let himself have forgiveness for himself. And he um, was very much so taken aback by that moment. He ends up winning the fight and then he goes to save Luke. And then we have this moment uh, with Reva and she's chasing Luke Skywalker. And this is basically happening. You know, the fight between Vader happened before, but because they're cut in the way that they are, we are getting first this sense of, wow, Obi-Wan is finally forgiving himself, finally letting himself have lenience over, you know, this idea that he created Vader, that he's responsible when the only person really responsible for Anakin turning into Vader is Anakin. And so then immediately we cut to Luke running away from Reba. He gets attacked. He's unconscious. Reva goes to kill him. And that scene was literally so insane where she's seeing her younger self um, and she can't do it. And she takes Luke back and then uh, fight. she finds Obi-Wan there. She's saying, I couldn't do it. He, meaning Vader, killed all of them, all of the Jedi, all of my friends, all of these children. And I couldn't kill him. I couldn't get revenge. I couldn't get justice. And um, Obi-Wan pretty much sits there with her. And because he has found forgiveness in himself for not being able to stop Vader, for not being able to stop the Empire, um, he is able to give that to Reva as well, to show her the way that she can forgive herself. Also, are we, am I, I literally cannot do this. I cried this entire episode and then I laid in bed and cried for 40 minutes afterwards because of this scene in particular. Obi-Wan, she says, what do I do now? And Obi-Wan says, you have a choice. Like you get to choose. Who never got to choose? Who never got to choose? Trilla Sidori never got a choice. And I've been thinking about it nonstop because, you know, this lineage of Inquisitors, you know, they are all so heartbreaking. Well, not the fifth brother. He can second dick, but the the rest of them. Oh my gosh, it's literally so bad. The rest of the Inquisitors, you know, we've talked about this so much. On, well, I've talked about it so much on other episodes because I'm obsessed with them, but they are all, um, their stories are so sad because they used to be Jedi and now they are forced to kill Jedi and um, they never got a choice. And now I think that giving Reva this choice to re- to redeem herself later on in her life she's still very young she's maybe 20 um I think another thing that I really liked about the show is like the um because these are two themes that we've definitely seen like throughout Star Wars and things that I really like when they explore one of which being like revenge and like 
how revenge is not going to be the thing that makes you feel better, um, which is obviously what Reva's arc is all about, where she has sort of like buried all these negative feelings she's having in like anger. And she's like, if I can just get revenge on Vader, then everything will be better. And then her plan to like get rid of Vader fails. Um, and so she's like, well, what's the next best thing going after his kid? And obviously at this point, she's like so desperate because she's like, I just want to do something that's going to make me feel better. And then right as she's about to kill Luke, she's like, this isn't going to help me. Like, this is not going to make me feel better. And that's exactly what Obi-Wan says to her. It's basically like violence and anger and like taking out your anger on other people in the form of revenge is never going to be the thing that helps you like find peace with yourself. But I think coupling that with this other theme that we see a lot in Star Wars, and it's something that gets explored a lot, like towards the end of Rebels and like Rogue One and some books, like I know Leia Princess of Alderaan does it really well, is like the, a lot of rebel leaders, like specifically like the Organos because they're from Alderaan, which is a pacifist planet, like don't want to fight. Like they don't want to fight. Like they don't want there to be any violence. They didn't want like the Clone War to happen. What, and now they don't want this war against the Empire to happen. But like this idea that they all come to realize as it gets closer to like the original trilogy where the only way that they're going to win and like get rid of the empire is through fighting. And so I think that like the ideas of like revenge and like fighting is or like killing and fighting are not the answer, but also that like that's kind of your only choice in some situations like can seem like they could conflict with each other. But I think that this show does a really good job of it and it's kind of early on so like there's not like an all-out war going on with the empire right now there's just like various rebel cells and like little like seeds of rebellion are starting but like we know where it ends and we know that it ultimately ends in a fight that the rebels do end up winning eventually um but I think that this show did a good job of like starting that off where at this point like Yes, Obi-Wan fights Vader, but the path is not trying to, like, fight the Empire. They're just trying to help people. But it's going to come to a point where, like, they can no longer help people without engaging in warfare with the Empire. And that's kind of where we get, like, specifically in Rogue One is where we finally get to that point where, like, there's still rebel leaders who are like, no, we don't want to fight. Like, we can still do this peacefully. And this is where, like, Jin Erso comes in and, like, those people where they're, like, no we can't like we have to we have to fight now we literally don't have another choice and so I think that this show did a good job of setting that up while also like keeping with the theme of like revenge on a smaller scale for like characters like Reva and even like Obi-Wan where he's like I am not gonna like kill Anakin right now because one that's not the Jedi way and two like it's not my responsibility and it's it's not going to fix anything and so he just like leaves he doesn't stay on whatever planet they fight on and kill him he just walks away and I think that that is like the most Jedi-like thing he could do and then that he's able to help Reva when she also decides to walk away from everything like and tell her like you said that she has a choice and that she is like now in control of her own life for the first time literally ever is something that is like very powerful and I think that like Deborah Chow really she gets it like she just gets it like all those scenes I was like she knows what I personally think Star Wars is about and like what it should mean and what the important moments are and I think she really got it and like knew what beats to hit to keep with like the overall theme of the entire like everything we have in Star Wars 
Yeah, exactly. Deborah Chow, she she understands. She knows what she knows what we want. Um, I think also when Obi Wan just like left Vader there, I think that one like physically he knew that Vader would not be able to follow him right away, so he can get back to Tatooine. But also, I think that not only is it not the Jedi way to kill someone, in that moment he realized that the only person who can bring Anakin back, he knew that Anakin was still there, is Anakin. He knew that it's not his responsibility anymore, and he will never be able to bring Anakin back. But he knew that Anakin could be brought back because Anakin says, Vader says, oh, I killed Anakin. And Vader... Or, and Obi-Wan saw straight through that and was like, okay, so I know it's not about me anymore. If it's not about me, then it's not my responsibility. Um, and that was what he could also give to Rebos. You know, the only person who can help you now is you. And now you have an actual choice to be able to help yourself, which she didn't have before. And maybe I'll just cry forever. I'm also thinking about like, Obi-Wan deciding to like leave Vader there instead of killing him and also like coupled with the fact that right after that he goes back to Tatooine to like save Luke from Reva I mean he ends up not having to but he can like sense that Luke is in danger um and I was thinking about the line that Rose says in The Last Jedi about like the I don't remember the exact line but it's like the way to win is through like saving what you love not fighting what you hate um and there were a lot of moments in the, in the finale in particular that really made me think about that. Um, because like Obi-Wan going back to save Luke and Obi-Wan like literally being willing to like give his life to protect Leia and to protect Luke and like Owen and Beru were the same way with Luke and Bale and Brea we know are the same way with Leia. And like, just like that. Um, and obviously it's different situations for both because like, Bale and Brea are in a position where they can like support the rebellion and be very involved specifically like on the political side of things whereas like Owen and Beru don't have that luxury um but they're still doing everything they can to protect Luke because they know how important he is to the entire galaxy and like Bale and Brea know how important it is to be like working against the empire as much as they can um so that it like creates a better future for future generations um and so I think like the idea of like Obi-Wan leaving Vader slash Anakin there to sort of just like deal with himself and to then go and save Luke and look after Leia is like really it's very Star Wars like it's really what the sort of like moral of everything is and that's why I think it brings me back to that line in Last Jedi because I love that line so much and I think that that is like sort of the heart of what a lot of like people don't really get about Star Wars because a lot of people are like oh it's Star Wars and like they're fighting evil but it's more than just that it's not just them like fighting evil it's also them like protecting light and protecting hope and protecting goodness and I think that those things kind of have to like balance out and I think that Obi-Wan like learns how to balance them in a way that he didn't really have before and after um all of this we get my favorite scene well maybe my second favorite scene um which is the end basically where Obi-Wan is talking to Leia and he tells her um 
where she gets all of her best traits, uh, which are from her parents. And I think that that was one of the most beautiful moments. Also, why would you mention Padme? Like, you know, I'm going to cry. Like, you can't do that to me personally. I cried so hard when that was happening. I couldn't even hear it. Like, it was so bad. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't remember what he said. I have to rewatch this show. But um, what a time, what a time to be alive. Yeah, that scene was a lot, specifically because after that, he's like, I wish that I could tell you more about them. And then Leia looks over at Vale and Brea and is like, you know, I don't need you to. Um, why? Why? Why would you do that? Like, I was already doing really poorly because I was, like, on the floor sobbing during the scene between Reva and Obi-Wan. And then we had to go to that. And I was like, you have to, like, give me some time to process these things before you just add something else that I need to be crying about. Um, But yeah, I did love that scene. And I do love that, like, they establish that Leia can, like be both in the sense that like she has these traits from her birth parents from Anakin and Padme and like we see what they are and Obi-Wan even like says what they are but she also like knows that Bale and Brea are her parents and like she has some of their best qualities as well and I like that they were able to kind of like show both because a lot of times I feel like there's not a lot of like like some people will think it has to be like one way or the other where it's like oh she's Bale and Brea's kid like so she doesn't care about Anakin and Padme and like they had no impact on her but that's not true and this scene like really we had Obi-Wan explicitly saying like you're a lot like Anakin and Padme for like x y and z reason and Leia saying like thank you for that and she now knows where these things come from but then she's also like but I have Bale and Brea and so like I'm okay not knowing every little detail about who Anakin and Padme were and she like learns more about them as she goes on but the important thing is that like she she finally feels like she belongs like with the Organas because like when we start off the series she's like I'm not even a real Organa and she has some like insecurity about that and like obviously her stupid cousin is not making things any better I didn't forget about him I didn't forget about him he's still he better sleep with one eye open but anyway beside the point but by the end of it she's like no actually this is my family and I'm actually good to like stay here and lead Alderaan I even forgot about I love that exchange between her and Bale where she's like yeah you know what I will lead Alderaan but like I'm gonna do things my way and he's like okay sure girl boss yeah what a moment what a time um unfortunately she never gets to rule Alderaan which I think is really hateful um but you know it's fine I guess she got to like lead the rebellion and all that so it's fine George Lucas (laughs) I'm still mad at you for blowing up Alderaan (laughs) in the first movie in the entire franchise (laughs) yeah um I think also like that whole scene her wearing um Tala's little holster I hope that she's wearing that in the future. Like, I hope that's the one she wears canonically in the future, which would be great. Um, but then she says there's more than one way. You said there was more than one way to lead to fail. And um, that, I think, really just shows who Leia is, you know. And not only just who Leia is, but 
all of Star Wars in general, we see so many different leaders across all of Star Wars, no matter what era it takes place in. And they all rule different or they all lead differently. Um, and, you know, I think that is that's the like whole message of Star Wars is like it doesn't matter who you are. You can get up and lead and you can lead people and you can fight and blah, 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 blah. And um, yeah, so let's do that. Uh, really uh, good timing, I guess, for like what's going on in the world right now. So if you want to take any inspiration, take some from Miss Leia Organa and yeah, start leading. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was a really special moment for her and for people watching especially for the girls the girls watching I thought that was you know I'm also just this was in episode five but I'm still kind of thinking about it and like in regards to Leia's character um a I don't want to say like a big part of her character but just of like her impact on the galaxy and something that we see a lot of and I'm thinking of like there's one line in I don't remember if it's the last Jedi or the rise of Skywalker novelization might be Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, um, and it's from Finn's perspective, and he's, like, looking at Leia and having this, like, moment of realization of, like, who she is as a person and, like, why people respect her so much and, like, why, and, like, why people are so willing to follow her. And particularly, he, there's a line that's, like, I understand why people die for you. Um, and now, like, going back and seeing when she's just 10 years old and Tala dying, like, not just for her, but for like her and a lot of other children like her who the path is trying to help and all these people that have like been doing all this work and Leia seeing that and like going forward, there's so many people who are willing to die for her and like for her cause and for the fight against the empire. Um, And so I think to see sort of like the origins of like how that started and like her impact on people going forward all the way into like the sequel trilogy where we still see people following her. And like, even as she gets older, like people are still willing to risk it all for her and for like what she believes in and what she has inspired other people to believe in. Um, And so I just like, when we get these like little tie-ins where like, oh, even at 10 years old, she could inspire that kind of like, what's the word? I guess hope, but like, I can't think of the exact right word to describe it, but you know what I mean. That was the end of the episode, right? Obi-Wan, bought a house oh why gone <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> me being like oh my god yeah we want like moved out of his cave and then i was like wait oh and he met luke hello and he met luke. That, oh <laughs> when i say i was crying when okay first of all when he like not to be the worst but when he like walks up to owen and they're just like standing there looking at each other i was like they should kiss like I think they should kiss right now um and I think they should invite Obi-Wan back into the polycule which that actually did happen like they had to cut it because the episode was getting a little long and they only have so much time but like they did actually have a conversation after that where Owen was like you know what you can come back in the polycule like we will welcome you back um and you need to meet our son if you're gonna like be a part of this um (laughs) anyway and so he meets Luke like I mean, he's obviously, like, seen Luke, and, like, when he was a baby, he was there, but this is their first time, like, really having an interaction, um, and Luke is probably, like, who's this old guy who I've seen, like, wandering in the distance before, um, 
that just made me like I was already crying but it made me cry like a little bit harder because I was just like what a time to be alive where we're seeing like a 10 year old Luke Skywalker really like officially meeting Obi-Wan for the first time um yeah and I'm glad that you know Owen and Obi-Wan work things out aside from like him being back in the polycule just that like them hating each other and like viewing each other as like enemies I mean it was more on like Owen's part obviously Obi-Wan was like I just want to train your son and Owen was like no um but now Owen is like okay I still don't really want Luke to be involved in all this but like you're fine like you're okay I guess um but yeah then Obi-Wan sees Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon is like bestie I've been waiting like where have you been um and Obi-Wan's like I have been reaching out to you and Qui-Gon's like I've been here like you just weren't doing it right I don't know what to tell you um and I like I've taught I think I don't know if we talked about this before about like how Revenge of the Sith ends with Yoda being like hey Obi-Wan here's some training that like your master left for you so that you can like become a force ghost when you die um and then Qui-Gon is like all right let's start and so I kind of figured that that's where like the series would end of like now Obi-Wan is like at peace with himself and with like everything that has happened um and he's also like reconnected with the force um and so I like that Qui-Gon kind of shows up to like symbolize like okay he's fully like reconnected himself with the force and now he's ready to like take the next steps of his own training and start like not like on the road that's going to lead to his death, but like start preparing for everything that happens in A New Hope. Yeah, I'm excited to see like that if there's more, you know, we have more Obi-Wan comics coming out, so I'm sure those will tie in very nicely. But um, I mean, kind of going back to the whole Luke and Obi-Wan thing, the reason why, you know, Owen is finally like, okay, I get it. Like I, you can see Luke now. Is not only because he saw what Obi-Wan did for Reva. Like, they, he knows Obi-Wan has no ill intentions. But also, Obi-Wan isn't necessarily like, I'm going to train him again. Like, he doesn't go straight for that. It's more of like, a the universe will work itself out. And I've seen that now. It's not all my responsibility to do everything. I need to work on myself first, obviously. Um because he, this whole experience has, you know, changed the way he views himself. And he's realizing, wow, the better I am for myself, the better I can be for this universe, for the galaxy. Um, And I thought that was also a very important lesson that was taught in the show. Uh, And also, yeah, Qui-Gon, just being like, I was waiting. What a Qui-Gon moment to be like, "Mm, you were doing it wrong. And then that was it. What an episode. What a series. Overall, the series, I'm going to give it a nine and a half. Not a series. Series. <laughs> Overall, I'm giving the series a nine and a half out of ten. That point, the half point was lost because no Quinlan box and no Trillicidary. That's why. That's my final say. I agree. Yeah, if Quinlan Boss was there, I would have given it an 11. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, I thought it was really good. Pleasantly, the last time that I have just finished a Star Wars series and not had to be like, I enjoyed it, but I don't even know when it happened. 
And so it's really nice to like finish a series and be like, yeah, I feel yeah, good I liked, about that. I liked everything about that. Like yeah. there were no, no things that I had major critiques on. There was nothing that made me go, oh my God, we're really doing this. Like yeah. that. And that the, was the amount of it's like so, been so refreshing to just come on here every week except the week that we skipped um and be like yeah here's the things that I liked about this and here's like what I thought about and not have to be like but we also have to talk about this because like they did this poorly it's just so nice I love when Star Wars just like is Star Wars and doesn't have the problems that it usually has hopefully I if anything if I can get anything out of this series it is not even anything to do with the series itself. It's just that Star Wars realizes that putting a diverse group of people in the writer's room, in in the production itself, actually makes things better. And um, to all the people who are like, oh, this is woke SJW stuff. I don't care what you think. Like, there is not a care in my mind for you. You don't matter to me. Um, and this show just like proved that that it works um, better than it ever has. So, Star Wars, keep it going. This is it. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think that women should just direct all Star Wars, but unfortunately, like there that won't happen. I wish. Um, but yeah, definitely like watching this I was like yeah a woman directed this yeah a woman directed this like you can tell you can tell so easily and it's like the flip side of that when like I watch some other Star Wars things the Mandalorian not gonna <laughs> I was literally about to say not gonna say the Mandalorian. I'm like yeah John Favreau do better anyway that was so mean but I'm right anyway okay so Kenobi was very good um and I'm also, since it's the next TV show, I'm thinking about Andor, and I'm very excited. Um, I do have high hopes for that one, so hopefully they won't. Maybe it's just because I'm like, yeah, this was so good. I'm, like, ready for what's next, but, like, my expectations are, like, pretty good, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, as for Andor, I'm excited. We don't have, like, uh, I don't think we know who's directing each episode yet. I'm assuming it's different directors like it is for The Mandalorian just because there's so many episodes. Um, hopefully, I don't know if Deborah Chow came back for that show because she's been so busy, but maybe Bryce Dallas Howard. Love her. Where's her Star Wars movie? Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably going to be different directors for each episode. They've probably said somewhere, but I don't remember. Um, I just think that like from watching the trailer... And also, like, I, Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars movie. So, like, anything even remotely linked to that, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but the trailer is very, like, it's not like anything that I think we've seen in Star Wars up to this point. Um, I just have to say it. It was giving Hunger Games vibes. Like, I wouldn't be me if I didn't at least point it out. Thank um, you for listening to Fulcrum. <laughs> I'm right. I wasn't even the only one to say it. I think I think someone said it before me, and I was like, "Yeah." Um, the Hungry Games fan to Rogue One fan pipeline is like the most real thing to me. It's just, um, but anyway, Emily. It's just okay. Well, <laughs> that's two more people, so I believe in it. Um, anyway, beside the point, 
And also it's part of, not to be a hater, but the stuff in the era between like Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, maybe it'll all like come together and work out in the end. But right now I'm like, I don't really care. Um, However, this era between Revenge of the Sith and the original trilogy is like my favorite Star Wars era. And Andor is like perfectly within the like best part of that era where it's like the rebellion has started and there are a bunch of different rebel rebel cells and they're like sort of starting to become aware of each other and like become organized, but they're not there yet. And it's at the point like we see a lot of it in Rebels, which is why Rebels is my favorite TV show where like everything kind of feels hopeless. Like you're like, we're just a couple people. How are we supposed to fight the Empire? And I think that that's sort of going to be where Andor like takes us from like, these are just people who want to fight the Empire to like, at the end of the show, we're at Rogue One, the Rebel Alliance has been formed, and now we're like, ready for an actual fight. I'm also excited for Andor, because I think out of all the upcoming Star Wars shows, except for Ahsoka, um, this one is the most likely to show my favorite Star Wars character, Chopper. Uh, so if Chopper shows up in, I just need him in live action, like really badly. So I'm excited for that. He was in Rogue One. So like, you know, next thing we know, Chopper's like the main character of Andor. It's not about Cassie and Andor. There's two episodes that are about Chopper. Finally, I get my Chopper alone episode. (laughs) This is how we're getting our Chopper novel, actually. Chopper should be there. Like you said, he's in Rogue One. Hera's mentioned in Rogue One. Yeah. Let's make it happen. And we know that they have cast someone as Hera because she was in that little Ahsoka teaser they showed at Celebration. Hera actress, reveal yourself. Please. Like, send me an email. Our email is linked in our episode description. Um, Yes, please. We won't tell anyone. (laughs) Someone tell me if Chopper is in this show. <laughs> like, is he the main character? Is it really about Chopper? Because I know it is. Ahsoka's just, you know how they do, like, the code names for, like, the shows so no one finds out what they are? Ahsoka's actually the code name, but it's actually called Chopper. Um, And it's actually going to be revealed soon that he's the main character. Exactly. And the novel that's coming out next year that no one has knows anything about, um, that is just, the code name is Appleseed, and it's a space opera. It's a chopper novel. And it comes out right around the same time as the Ahsoka show, so it makes perfect sense to me. Connecting the dots. Yeah, that's what we do here. Connect the dots. That we <laughs> dots that don't exist. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Kenobi? Um, I think the Kenobi show would have been better if Chopper was in it, and that's all. <laughs> I just my what my note actually slash J is that well not slash J, Bray Bray Organa should have been in it more. Like yeah. I know why she wasn't because like right. it just also Miara Lardy should have been there. <laughs> there was literally okay. I'm sorry. There was literally a shot at the end where there were two members of the Alderanian Consular Security standing after the ship was flying away and I was like you could have just made one of them her like it wouldn't have been that hard you could have just had it be her and like not even said anything but like I would have known thank you so much for listening to Fulcrum Transmissions please feel free to send us questions 
can DM them to us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. Next week, we are returning to our series, Girl Boss of the Week, and talking about Admiral Arlani. Once again, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode.